It is with great excitement that in 2021, we are blessed to have two new sponsors for the CT Startup Podcast. One of those sponsors is CT Next, an organization each one of our hosts, as well as many of our guests and listeners have had the opportunity and pleasure of interacting with. I'm going to let Glendalyn Thames, Deputy Commissioner of the DCD and Founding Executive Director of CT Next, explain what CT Next does for early stage businesses here in Connecticut. So what is CT Next? Our, our mission um, fundamentally is really to equip early stage companies and entrepreneurs with resources, guidance, um, networks to accelerate their, their growth um, and, and really creating an environment where our entrepreneurs can really start their business, grow their business and thrive in Connecticut and positioning Connecticut as the most desirable location in the country for an innovative company to build and grow and create jobs. And we do this, uh, you know, a few different ways, right? Um, one by, you know, really cultivating a network of public-private partnerships and really acting as a catalyst um, that supports entrepreneurs from ideation and growth to exits. Um, but then also, you know, providing direct funding to companies as well. So we have many programs um, that are non-dilutive capital to help accelerate kind of the early stages of growth of a company. Um, and then, you know, we, we offer uh, other programming relative to, you know, again, building that, that, in, that community infrastructure across our state. So if you think about, you know, incubators, accelerators, co-working spaces where that, that dynamic knowledge sharing is happening and where kind of innovation actually starts and, and occurs. For more information, please visit www.ctnext.com. This is CT Startup, your source for information on entrepreneurs, investors, and resources in the Connecticut startup ecosystem. From university campuses to industrial labs, from Stanford to Hartford, and from Danbury to Norwich, if it's happening out there in Connecticut, you'll find it in here. Welcome to CT Startup. All right. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the CT Startup Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Francis. And again, uh, you've been hearing this uh, kind of this whole past year, I guess, is about these kind of like uh, full circle conversations with people that uh, and organizations that have come, you know, a long way since, since since founding, have pivoted, have become, you know, different kind of assets within the community. And we're, we're talking with another, uh, with, with the same group that um, we've talked with in the past, and that's Reset. And this time we are talking with Stephanie Robles, and she's the food catalyst uh, at Reset. And so first off, Stephanie, welcome. How are you doing? Hello, hello. Doing well tonight. Thank you for having me here. Yeah. So uh, Stephanie is going to be talking about their new uh, food incubator. It's not really new. It's I think it's the second or third year. She's going to correct me on that. But like, this is it's it, this is one of those conversations that um, we already had a pre-conversation that went long and, you know, like, you know, we're going to get passionate about food and talk about like all this kind of stuff, but like trifecta ecosystems, fresh farm aquaponics, uh, the company that we went through in 2014, we're a food business at the, at the core of it. We are a food business. We were connected to other kind of uh, businesses in that uh, incubator, but if we were just around food businesses, it, we, we, we may have gone farther within, within our business. Right. So anyways, Stephanie, tell us about the, the, uh, you know, the program and also like, how did you, uh, how did you end up here? 
Okay, first I have to start because you did a lovely organic segue <laughs> into the program. And so first I need to start with the whole inspiration behind the food incubator actually stemmed from the Impact Accelerator program. And so there were some really amazing food businesses that were coming out of the Impact Accelerator program, which I'm also an alum of and whew, can't recommend enough. <laughs> yeah. um, but there was this recognition that there's a need for different resources for food businesses, that there were some... Um, barriers to food businesses that were quite unique. And so therefore there was an idea of what would it be like if a bunch of food businesses were able to have a cohort-based program that also had the supports specifically for food businesses. Enter the food incubator program. <laughs> Very cool. And what iteration is this? So we are in our fourth year. And so uh, each year it has expanded and shifted in different ways. The first the first year it was six weeks. The second year it was 12 weeks, but then it pivoted because of 2020. And so it went to virtual. Last year was the first complete virtual um, entire cohort. And then we also added on a wonderful pitch event. And so this year it is 12 weeks. Uh, it is every Wednesday from 5.30 to 8 p.m. And uh, it is a 12-week program to build a sustainable food business. So you learn who is your ideal client? What is your why, your mission? This year we've added, what is your impact? Have you thought about your environmental sustainability as a food business operator? Um, then we go into branding and marketing. How do you have strategic, authentic branding that is unique and realistic for you? Key, realistic <laughs> for you, okay? So like, we're not necessarily starting with five different platforms and posting five times a day. Like, let's talk about how do you build a sustainable business, a sustainable food business with the human first, because the business can only be as good as the human behind it. And so therefore we provide both the cohort structure. So you get to have, you get to be surrounded by other foodies and other food entrepreneurs. You get to have the weekly conversations of what did you have to navigate this week? Oh, you're, you're, you have questions about labeling. Let's discuss what is needed for labeling. We have a whole entire class on labeling food regulations and certifications. Are you curious about what type of food license you need? Wonderful. Come and ask the expert we will bring to the class. Hint for that particular class, it is not me. <laughs> we will bring two different folks in from the city to be able to talk about all that. So the Food Incubator Program is a lovely mix of bringing in guest speakers and experts so that you can ask them your direct direct questions about your food business, whether it is mobile catering or a bakery or um, starting off as a cottage license and starting off in your home. You can ask those questions and then be able to build off of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been, uh, it has been interesting to see how the evolution of like the food, I mean, like doing stuff like by the books, right? The evolution of different, you know, the benefit corporation when we were in the impact accelerator and like the B corpus or benefit corporation was coming around. We were part of that, right? The cottage mm -hmm. industry, I think the cottage um, kind of provision for food, I think maybe came around in 2020, maybe, uh, maybe a little bit earlier too, like it started going to effect. So that right. means that you can do a certain amount like in your house, right? Before you mm -hmm. have to go to the commercial kitchen. So like that, it, so it's like, it's, but the big thing about that is that a community within a business like ecosystem was saying, I need this so I can get off the ground to make it easier. Right. And so that is one thing um, about Connecticut for us people who have been in this ecosystem and seen is like, 
Connecticut's getting each year better and better at being more accessible for businesses. People say that like, we're not business friendly. Like is, is it a good state? It's like, that's not, I have not seen, I've only seen the opposite in terms of business in Connecticut. Like people are actually trying to make it better. If there is an obstacle, like let's, okay, what is it? How do we figure it out? Even manufacturing starting to, you know, kind of come back. So it's like that, like in, in general that is. And so I, I bring that up because you know, in our, in our conversation before is like, you came to Connecticut, you're, you weren't originally here. So I think this is your, your uh, full year into, um, to uh, this role as the food catalyst. So just tell us a little bit about how you actually got to, to Connecticut or back to Connecticut or so forth. Uh, and like, you know what, and like, obviously this type of role kind of has been keeping you here. Right. And saying, I want to build here and do that. And I, I want you to tell the story because I do think it's important because at 10 years ago, when, you know, I was telling you how I got involved in the reset in 2010 or 12 years ago at this point, right? Um, it was about keeping people who live in Connecticut here. Whereas now we're talking about we're attracting people to come move to Connecticut and build and everything. So I, I think we're at that kind of that, that, that kind of thing. So that's kind of why I was like, want to like, why, you know, how'd you get back to here? And like, why are you, why are you here in Connecticut building? Absolutely. Um, I think it's really interesting that you had said your comment about Connecticut and how people feel about entrepreneurship in Connecticut, because while I've been here, the marketing or like the, the slogan that everybody has been saying so much has been like, Connecticut is the place for innovations. Um, and I believe like Connecticut made a top 10 uh, in the country for innovations, which is so incredibly exciting. Um, I originally, my alma mater is actually in Connecticut. I went to school, I got my undergrad at Fairfield U. And then I went bouncing around and traveling around. And so I was actually in Western Mass for nearly a decade for grad school, building, community building, all that jazz. And then I made my way to Hartford. And I made my way to Hartford because I have, I was interested in wellness. I'm interested in earth. I'm interested in farming. I got connected with a couple of community groups that were very like influential for me, very useful for me in terms of building local community. And then through one of the, through the first job I got here in Connecticut, that's how I met Sarah at Reset. And so there happened to be a West Hartford Chamber, a lunch bunch meeting where Sarah, uh, Sarah Bodley, our executive director, happened to be the guest speaker. She was talking about Reset and the food incubator. And I had just started my own food and wellness business. And so I have a business. It is called Nourishing Habits with Staff. And the mission and vision behind Nourishing Habits is to uh, support black and brown communities and all communities, but really to support our communities in healing from and avoiding burnout. And so the idea is to nourish your own cup first and then be able to pour from others. And I will say that some of those, uh, some of those values and practices absolutely are synergistic with reset and resets environment. And then also it comes through in our curriculum because like I said before, that your business can only be as good as the human behind it, but let's make sure that we can have the supports and the resources to build that sustainable business. And so, I was about to go into a whole entire tangent about like what I usually see from my clients, <laughs> how useful it is for mindset shifts. It's, it's, it, 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 the thing is, it all it all ties in, and that's the that's the big thing about an ecosystem and food. And like, it, there's so many ways it can tie into your to your life and how you look at it, and and so forth. And so, um, that that really like that that warms my heart, I guess, to, to know that you came here because you're like, you know, it seems like a good place to build something. You know, it's it, it's attracting me, and then you met. 
again, uh, uh, Sarah, who, again, she came back to Connecticut to run reset, right. And to do that kind of stuff. So it's like one of those things where people are coming back and them connecting with other people are, are, are keeping those people. So it's just like, it's compounding on top of, of it all. So that's, just, that's just great. Again, that's what, you know, a lot of the people who have been on this podcast, um, uh, who have been at this for 10 years, who have been, who have been doing the grinding, who, who started a business, who failed, who did this, who pivoted, who went away, got a job and then came back or whatever. So it's like those people, this is, these are the outcomes that we want. So you're, you're living proof of the outcome. So great. That's awesome. That's, you know, <laughs> and I really want to highlight like what has been one of the most beautiful, beautiful things about Connecticut and specifically being in the Hartford and greater Hartford area has been the community that's being built, the community that is already here. And then the beautiful folks who are weaving and building throughout it. Because I think the way that we, um, so uh, one of our uh, taglines is we believe food is power in the community. And then something I also wanna add on to that is like, is how do we build community by breaking bread? We, we build community by breaking bread. And so uh, also from the Nourishing Habits perspective, we also heal community by, by growing and breaking bread. And so like, no matter what, at the end of the day, food ends up being, I don't think we can have conversations around sustainability, around economic development, around entrepreneur. I don't think we can have a conversation around a circular economy or depending on which avenue we want to go in without having a conversation around food. How are we interacting with it? How are we engaging with it? How it is our, affecting our physical and mental health, but then also who are we engaging with? Because we have so many amazing local growers, local farmers and local producers. How are we engaging with them? Are we supporting them? And then um, who are the restaurants that are supporting them? So for example, Fire and Spice buys local and they have an ethos of eating fresh local healthy foods as much as possible. And so it's just really wonderful to, um, I also like have to highlight a couple of our, like one of our other businesses, but like, for example, Art Food Live or Garden Kitchen, for example. Um, so Garden Kitchen uh, is a vegan soul food pop-up who got into it after reading about some of the health disparities that are happening within the black and brown communities. And so they were like, let's get healthier. How do we have delicious vegan food? How do we have vegan food that is also connecting with our culture? And so building off of that, and then also building the community of all of the different types of pop-ups and relationships and um, partnerships that build off of that. Uh, I think it's just so important to have conversation. I think when we have conversations around community, we have to have conversations around food. And we have, when we have conversations around food, we have to have conversations around community. Mm -hmm. It's uh, food is one of those things. Everybody has to eat. Everybody has to get some sort of nourishment. I mean, it's like, I mean, granted you, you probably need water a little bit more than you need food, right? Fasting isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? You know, kind of whatever. Um, but you don't need to be constantly eating, right? You know, you can go in, in between. Um, but, um, but basically, you know, when it comes down to it, everybody needs to eat um, everybody, re regardless of if they know it or not, like they have these, um, uh, these biases about how they eat or what they eat or, or so forth. And also at the end of the day, some people are very interested in that. And some people are not, some people are very passive about what they eat and just how they live their life and how that, that nutrients gets into them. While other people are like, they are very like, they're figuring out everything, the macros, the micros, this, the, that, right. And so it's just one of those things where 
food is essential to everything. And that's why it's, it's one of it's, it's, I fully support like the idea of breaking bread. Let's get around. Let's talk. Let's, I mean, let's, that's how it interact. Like, how do you cook? What, how do you, how do you interact around food? Because I grew up with an Italian and Irish family. Like that's, that's, that's what, that's what we were doing. Like that's one of the biggest things. And, and I'll, I like the biggest thing about 2020 and the pandemic and all this stuff is that I missed out on big family meals. Like that was huge. Like that, that, that like that, that, like for some other, some people in my life that maybe stresses them out or, or they don't like those big things, but I love them. Right. So it's like, that's again, that's it. So I get it. <laughs> also acknowledging that since we have different, like there are so many folks with different values and opinions on their foods and different needs, having the options and access for all of those different wants and needs. I think that also like making the case, I think one of the reasons why food and entrepreneurship go hand in hand so well is because it gives you all of the those different options because everybody has so many different needs. And I think that it also adds the self-empowerment piece to it as well, because you get to like, yes, we get to keep it local, but entrepreneurship and specifically food entrepreneurship is very much one of those ways that you can, can empower yourself, empower your family, empower your community, and then also build generational wealth. I think one of the reasons why the food incubator and also just supportive programs like that are so important is because there are very specific barriers for food entrepreneurs. And so, for example, I believe there's a stat around um, after you hit your five year mark, most in most industries, you are most likely safe or safe ish. That is not the case for food businesses. Like it is pretty much not the case. Like after five years, there's still no guarantee. After 10 years, there is still no guarantee. So how do you set yourself up? How do you allow yourself some of the flexibility in order to make some of those agile decisions? How do you set up your support groups, your supports, uh, both your entrepreneurship groups, but then also like your bankers, your accounting, like your care and your support mm -hmm. system, but also your backend system to make sure that you have your systems in place. Yeah. And, and again, like food is a tough business from growing to selling to everything. And, and what's very interesting is the pandemic also like there's, if you look at the global food ecosystem, it's been one of those things over the past 50 years has been a, like it saved millions and millions of lives because millions and millions of people have been able to get food. Yes. hundred percent. It is. However, is it necessarily, um, is it robust and, and kind of, um, uh, I guess the lack the, um, missing the word right now, but basically the, uh, um, the, it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't allow, um, like the breakdown. There's just such a breakdown. I mean, the fact that like us is like, we, we, we sell so much to China and then we also buy so much from China of pork. It's like, why is, why that, why is that happening? You know, uh, the, the, a lot of the, um, um, processors, right. The processors actually control a lot of like, you know, the pricing of a lot of things versus the farmer and this, which and we so it's have like, to learn so yeah. much about this year, especially yeah. where we are, because one of the major processors in new England closed down. So meat prices had surged and it was something like over 22% oh, yeah. increase yeah. over yeah. the holidays. And so like the supply chain went from, uh, if you know, you know, if you're in that industry to, an everyday word and conversation in everyday households like food is something that was thought about before but the pandemic the the way that folks uh moved around food and then also some of the scarcity and some of the breakdowns has also led to some uh dare i say innovation and ingenuity of how do we keep this going 
Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And then, and then again, the other supply chain stuff is like the fertilizer price in Europe going down and the nitrogen price going or going up, right? That's, that's going to affect us and so forth. Like there's, there's so many different factors to people to understand like how the food gets to their plate. Right. Mm-hmm. And so again, it's, it's one of those things where everybody has to eat. There's always complexities. I think more and more, I think people are kind of coming to the, to the realization. I don't know where you sit on this, but like food hits everybody differently. Everybody has a different diet. There's not one diet that can like the food pyramid does not work for everybody. It, you know, like if it works for anybody, right? So, so we're like the, the, it's like the inverted side of it, right? You know, so it's like one of those things where because it can be like everybody can have a different reaction to food, then that mm-hmm. means that there's so many different ways food can impact your life or your health and so forth. So it's like there's, exactly. there's, and, and that goes to the, um, the sustainability and, and um, the robustness of, a, of an entrepreneurial venture, right? So I guess like let's, let's kind of talk about kind of that. Is that like what type of like, First off, what type of people are coming through your 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 program? Like usually for this incubator, because a lot of times, right? Um, and this is what I noticed. Noticed. I don't know if if it's seems to you, but like some people are like I want to start a restaurant, right? Or, or like this, like so. It's like I want to start a restaurant, but then some people are like I want to I want to uh, make the next ketchup, like the best ketchup, right? So like, what type of, of food entrepreneurs are coming through your your door? Okay, so we we've got, we've got a variety, we've got a range. Um, so <laughs> we uh, engage with businesses that are mostly in the ideation to creation and some of the maintenance mm-hmm. phase. So this means if you, for our ideal client for the food incubator is someone who has a viable food business idea or a viable food business. And then you are looking to test your product and you're looking to build your business. And this means that you have the time and capacity and ability to genuinely make time for this because there will be homework, but I promise you that was at the yeah. request of the last cohort. <laughs> for, uh, it, 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 <laughs> you got to continually do work. All right. You're not your stuff. It's not homework. Right. And, and, and also like, I promise it's, it's meant to be useful. It's meant to build <laughs> off your own business. And so it's, it is what you make it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's um, called do the work, not homework. It's just do the work. So. <laughs> <laughs> it is called building your business yeah, yeah, one exactly. step at yeah. a time. Yeah, and yeah. so like, instead of sitting with your whole entire business canvas and saying, oh my God, this is so overwhelming. Let's go take it one piece at a time. And then let's go also have a supportive space where you can ask your questions and let's go have office hours where you can go and sit with this and let's have one-on-ones so that we can build this. Whether the one-on-one is to figure out how do you make the time in your life or how do you actually sit and implement? Um, but ideal client, someone who like has the business idea and has the capacity and ability and drive to move forward with it. You are going to have homework such as your smart goals, but also like a little tailored smart goals because everybody does smart goals, but like, let's go have some accountability and let's <laughs> yeah, check yeah. in with them and make some moves with it. And all that We're going to come back to these goals continually. <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah. uh, you thought you got away from it, but uh, it's going to come back yeah. because they will be useful. And then it also gets to, to uh, it allows you to figure out how to prioritize what was useful, what was not, what are actually the couple steps before for that and let's build some systems and organizing in the in along the way let's um build your fill, figure out who your ideal client is and be very specific and it's not just everybody because everybody's hungry yes but when you're marketing you are marketing to your specific person and your specific niche and how do we build upon that 
in a sustainable way and in a way that works for you? How do we set up some of the legal structures? How do we, what are some of the uh, financial accounting to take into consideration. So like not QuickBooks 101, we can send you a resource if you want a free webinar for QuickBooks 101, yeah. but really like what are some of the financial theories and, and uh, not theories, but the practical stuff to keep in mind and to keep track of. How do you write a PNL statement? What is your expense report gonna look like? What does this look like? And so our ideal client is someone who's looking for those supports, who mm -hmm. is looking to figure out how do I price my product and also pay myself um, and still be able to keep clients and generate revenue and generate profit. And also someone who wants to be able to build. You want to be able to build with other people in your community, not just your own business, ideally, because this is a cohort-based program. Mm -hmm. Granted, I mean, introverts, please, please, it's okay. It's, I mean, it's <laughs> going to be okay, I promise. <laughs> the space will be held. Um, but we have had bakers, we've had mobile caters, we've had pop-ups, we've had um, uh, microgreens, we've had a business, we've had uh, Yum's Bakery is a baker, Barbara's Delights is a cottage grove business, but she also has like a five to 10 year plan of like eventually a brick and mortar. And so she's starting off yep. as a cottage license in her house because she's also a full-time caretaker and then building and mm -hmm check out her Instagram, her Italian pastries are so delightful. But so <laughs> our ideal client is someone who, whether you have the idea on a, written out on a napkin or you have already generated revenue, there is still, if you feel like there's a value add in anything that I have described, please apply, <laughs> apply. Um, set up a one-on-one -on -one with me. Please don't hesitate to send mm. an email out to me my, and also check out our website, which is resetco.org slash food incubator. If you want to specifically just go to directly to food incubator. Um, there were two info sessions, but we're also going to have some Instagram lives also just mm. for some interaction in case anybody has some Q and A's. So far, the questions that we've been asked the most is like you just asked, what, who should apply? Mm. If you have a food business, um, if you have a food product, please go right ahead. We've had guac. Uh, so Pop's famous guac with Nicola Poplin. I highly recommend. Please try her guac. It is quite delicious. And also have a conversation with her. I promise. <laughs> you, your spirit will feel better. And then you'll have some guac and your stomach will feel better. <laughs> um, and then uh, firecracker number one was one of the barbecue sauces. Uh, Perfect Pound Cakes was one of ours. So Perfect Pound Cakes had celebrated their one, their three-year anniversary while in our program. And I believe had, might have, I forgot exactly what news they had had, but they celebrated their three-year. And so you had folks who have a storefront who have been around for three years, also in the same class as other folks who had not yet registered, were still figuring out what their label was gonna be, was still figuring out what their business plan exactly, like tailoring some of their services. By the end of the program, we had this pitch event where everybody was able to pitch their event and share what it is that they need to share with the community. And it was beautiful. There were over a hundred registrants. The mayor was there. We had um, Councilwoman, uh, well, Elise Bermuda's there. And uh, it was a wonderful community event for where people could showcase all that they've learned 
And also to be able to, everybody who graduated, everybody graduated, everybody who graduated, graduated with a digital profile. So there was also still like a way for everybody to be able to contact you. Mm -hmm. So there are some very real tools that are given and then there are some very real outputs at the end mm -hmm. so the core so one um just want to point out uh this is going to be coming out at end of end of january this podcast um so your uh program it, uh the the applications are due february 8th right february yes 8th? okay tuesday february 8th 11 59 p.m but also y'all like it's if you get it at 1205 yeah okay, get, get it, yeah if you get it in in the morning on the, the 9th that's fine but get it in on the gates all right yes. um so definitely if you are a food business if you kind of fit into that um that category if you if you feel that you need the support and i will have to say is that cohort based learning and, and kind of going through um uh kind of the entrepreneurial process with a cohort is is definitely beneficial again i went through the impact accelerator uh probably about five years before you did um and uh it's gone through an evolution but it, it was the the connection between the people and like pushing each other and, and so forth within within the program that kind of get, gets you somewhere um again i think that it's it's valuable like you just said having somebody who's three years in who's already had a storefront who's already made a couple of the mistakes right and then that person answers that question or asks that question to, to the instructor and or you. And then that other person, the other, the other person in the cohort says, Hey, this is what I had to deal with when I was in your position. This is what I did here. X, Y, Z don't, you don't need to make the mistake because I did it. All right. And so the thing that is, that is one thing about these, um, all the accelerator programs around the state and, and especially the different ones that reset does is that you go there to be around some people that are going to push you just by being there in the room. Like you, you all want to get forward. They're going to, they're, it, it's always a supportive thing. I mean, some people are probably calling you out. So, you know, I do, I do appreciate when people call other people up being like, listen, you only talk to five people. You should probably go talk to 50. Okay. Like, you know, or like, like you, yeah. like one person said they didn't like it. How many other people did you talk to? <laughs> like kind of a thing. Like, so, so like you, sometimes that. you need that, you need that kind of interaction. And I think that's the, that's the real value of these programs is that you have these core that is pushing you together. And then afterwards you, you get to re relive and you're part of the alumni and you get to talk about it and all that kind of stuff. So. <laughs> I mean, we can also be honest, entrepreneurship is glorious. There is a reason why we all, why we go into it. It is, there is like, there are many, many benefits to it, but let's also be real. There's a lot of entrepreneurship <laughs> in entrepreneurship. Okay. Oh, for sure. We need support. <laughs> like you do not want to do this by yourself. And a lot of people end up comparing themselves to other organizations and full blown organizations that have been around five, 10 plus years that have whole entire teams. Mind you, most of the time we're starting based off of an idea in a notebook and our grit and determination. And so it, I think that it's very, one of the, one thing I can't stress enough is cohort-based learning. And what I was doing in my previous life before I came to Reset was academia. And so I was working in higher education for about seven plus years on cultural climates, on how do we create these environments so that folks can learn, but also how do we make sure that folks are given the supports that they need realistically so we can set folks up for success. And I will say that is one thing that we really do try and do is to actually set you up for success and 
it's not just cohort based. It is it is the twelve the twelve weekly sessions. It is the bringing in experts. It's the access to the experts. It's the access to the cohort building and the community building. But it's also on top of that the office hours, the weekly office hours, the one on ones that are mandatory in the in it. Um, also, as we are exiting, creating that alumni pipeline and setting you up with weekly mentorship or the type of mentorship that you have the capacity for that's realistic so that once you're done with the program it's not just oh bye bye you flew the nest congratulations but really being able to to keep it going i have a question for you eric did you are you still in contact with people from your cohort uh, some people, so, so some people, yes. Um, I know some people didn't go forward with their projects. Some people's left. Um, um, it's actually kind of funny. I'm actually more, more connected to people like on like plus or minus my, my cohort. Cause like, yeah. it, it's kind of, it's kind of funny that way. Um, you know, I'm, but I'm, I'm a whole range of, of reset alumni. I'm like, I'm connected to. So <laughs> it's, I guess that that's almost more yeah. important. I think like that, like it, it kind of like spans the different years um that it, that it actually does um so see but i feel like you're also a fantastic example because i'm a recent alum and i'm staff so it's a unique position and you're not a recent alum you've been around so you've gotten a chance to have the iterations you've gotten a chance to go to multiple alum events you've gotten a chance to network with different cohorts i'm so excited to get to that point because <laughs> right now i mostly am in contact with my current cohort and like literally we just someone from the cohort just sent an email out saying hey, can we like set up some type of entrepreneurship group where we can have regular communications and encourage one another because we're a year out since we hit the one year mark since we started. Mm -hmm. And so we hit, I think like the six months mark since we graduated. And there's so much motivation and so many connections and so much that has been learned, but then also still making sure that there's that support afterwards post-program I think is also so unique and wonderful like mm. I'm really grateful that we still also get to continue that and that that is a culture that has been continued for for a while yeah uh, we uh, there was definitely some Facebook groups that uh, I was involved in I think one of them actually got shut down recently I don't I don't know why but I, th I think it like uh discontinued or something um, but again, like a lot of the people, again, I, I'm seeing the same people around, um, you know, I'm interacting nice. with the same people. They're in different roles. I will have to say one thing I, I, I and, and you kind of mentioned this is that like, there's, there's an app, you don't just graduate, like you graduate. Yes. But like, there's a lot, there's like a lot more after that. There's and, so much. and so for us, like we got, we, as trifecta early on, we got stuck into like the, the accelerator type of like, you know, kind of like flywheel, right. Going to another program or getting into this thing and doing a couple of things, competitions around this and that. Mm -hmm. And like, at some point you just be like, we got to build, man. We just got to put our head down and build and like talk to our customers. And that means by going out and like broadening, broadening the, the range. And like, again, we were an indoor farm and then we, you know, actually it's kind of funny. We came out of reset with the idea of selling uh, farm to school products and services to schools so that we can use those that revenue to fund a farm. <laughs> and then, mm. that actually became, you know, seven, eight years later, 10 years later, where we're, we're, that's the bigger piece of our business is actually doing the farm to school stuff than the farm. And I'm not saying that it is, but it's like farming is still very capital intensive. Things have changed, COVID's changed. I mean, right. straight up, um, my costs, my cost to build out just one of my greenhouse or two of my greenhouses um, from mid from like this for, I think like, I want to say like from June or June or July, maybe even, maybe even a little bit later um, it's gone up. It was like an $80,000 say, 
you know, and it's gone up to like 140. Oh, like the cost. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, and that's, that's not even all not the cost. Oh, no. Oh, no. And like I have and I have greenhouse manufacturers basically telling us like basically um, to, to think about like a 20 percent increase. I had one manufacturer I was looking to get uh, panels changed on the greenhouse and they said um, we wouldn't even sell them to you because you're not a new greenhouse. We'll only sell them to new like brand new greenhouses. I was like, really? I was like, that's pretty that's pretty intense. Um, and so like that's and like funny thing, they're like, we're only building for cannabis too. So like they're like, you know, kind oh, of they're there like they're, they're money. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> which which again, which again. I saw a cannabis uh, food uh, um, a drink that I was talking to that um, that basically they've uh, when I talked to him in May, um, they had just launched and you know by by September they had already sold they had already exited the business like it, it's like crazy wow. stuff right so besides the point what I I'm getting at is that like just because you said the cannabis businesses and food if you have an interest in a food cannabis business please apply yes, because uh, reset is doing work yes. with cannabis businesses and we are we're looking it's legal to in connecticut it's going to be like arena. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. I mean, it's, and yeah. so we will be having <laughs> workshops around how to build a cannabis work uh, how to build a cannabis business yep. however this is the food incubator. So if you have a food cannabis business idea, it works too. <laughs> yes. It works too. While the regulations have not completely come out yet, because the SEC is still, uh, yeah, uh, is still yeah. figuring it out. The Social Equity Council, um, they're still figuring out their uh, permits and legislation. So right now, the uh, the applications for SEC to be a social equity. Um, Applicant opens for retail licensing on February 3rd, I believe. Um, so that is not, that is retail only. That is not for food. There will be different types of food cannabis licensing. However, the food incubator would be very useful for solidifying your business plan. Uh, and and you, can, and you can go to mass and you can go start it in mass then come to Connecticut doesn't matter. So it's like, let's, you know, like, I mean, that's it. That's it. <laughs> so, so like, it doesn't, you know, like don't, don't, you know, you can't, you can't hate on too much. I know a few Connecticut businesses that we had green, um, we had green check uh, verified or um, on the past, like we've, there's going to be more cannabis coming down the pipeline. That's going to be great. It's going to be, it's going to be good. Um, so, so that'd be interesting. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, like, and like, so that's the thing is like, you gotta, you gotta go build, you gotta go talk to other food entrepreneurs. There's a lot of restaurateurs out there that have a lot of, you know, years and years of knowledge. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people who aren't in the restaurant industry, when they realize like the 30, 30, 10 kind of like split of like, you know, making money, right. It's like 30% is your cost of goods. 30% is your, your labor. 30% is your overhead. And guess what? If you hit those spot on, you'll make 10% profit. Fingers like, you crossed. know, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. and like, and like, you know, like all again, um, you know, hiring people is different nowadays. They're, they're looking for different things. Very cost different. of products are different, you know, like, and, and so like, it, it, it's it's all changing um and so like it's it's good to be around a, a group of people that um you're or like in the same struggle i guess you can say or in the same right. kind of like you know tertiary kind of industry so um but yeah no, i mean it's it, this is like i said before it's it's great to see the evolution of reset and the different programs that are coming from it um i'm glad that it you know it's attracting people like you to come to the state uh and and, and stay and build because that's what we need we need more people here 
loving not, not like not like crazy amounts more people because i think like kind of gets good like population wise you know like we got like 3.5 <laughs> maybe four okay. that's good but like yeah, yeah 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 you know like we don't i mean a lot of new yorkers came in this year so we'll see you know the census next year or whatever um the next couple of years but um <laughs> But again, it's, uh, you know, like at the end of the day, um, and, and I will have to say is that food for, for some of those um, entrepreneurs that are like building uh, another type of food business, um, UConn and these other Yale, these research, uh, you know, kind of universities, there's IP there, TIP, um, the technology incubation program over at UConn, they basically look for like, hey, if you can find some IP that's in one of the researches or some of the studies at UConn or something, they'll license it to you. They'll, they'll get it to you. So it's like, there's a lot of, there, there could be some food Ooh. stuff there. Um, okay. and again, it's, it's the, the interesting part about food right now is that <clears throat> I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make a prediction here. I don't make many predictions. Right. Okay. And uh-huh. it's probably, it doesn't, it's not going to, not going to hold that much weight, but you know, like there's all these kinds of like food, um, you know, like, you know, uh, what is it? Um, uh, beyond burger and, and all those other ones. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh-huh. like all these different kind of meat alternatives and so forth. And like, you know, meat's definitely going through a different kind of, um, you know, is going through Renaissance right now, going through different things. I yes. mean, like protein is, is huge. Like people need protein. Like it, it yes. is what it, you know, kind of a thing. And so, um, so that's resurgence. I mean, we were doing aquaculture, we were raising catfish. We found out that it actually wasn't even profitable to, to raise catfish. Like it's like to, to get USDA certified, like we'd have to ship it somewhere. Then it's going to ship it back. Like, it's crazy. Like it's like, there's wild stuff. Okay. Um, but there are, there's like stuff coming down the pipeline where basically, um, you know, bacteria, like we can make basically vats of bacteria that can create these proteins and like all this other kind of stuff. And like, 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 like the beyond burger is just like the start to like where our proteins are going to be like coming from. And so it's just like the, the food, I think in the next 10 years, it's like, we're talking about real science. We're talking about real like IP that can be, you know, and that kind of you stuff. You know, I actually Far have beyond my stuff, with somebody like, else <laughs> about this. Like there, okay. there's, there's a lot of people having conversations around this and like mapping what different proteins are doing and affecting the bodies in different ways. And it's just so fascinating, like what is happening with food and also the potential of what can happen with food. Ideally towards like, uh, healthy and nutritious foods and increasing access to healthy and nutritious foods, ideally. Uh, uh, for sure, for sure. Um, um, but, but it's y- just so exciting and fascinating. Yeah, it is. It be, be, like Basically what I'm saying is like, I feel like there's going to be a point where there's going to be like a 3D printer for your burger. And it's, oh, it's uh, you know, like, you know, kind of a thing. So I think we're, it's like putting it in that analogy, we're like, yeah, for sure. Like, it's just like how I'm, much. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm very curious in the next like decade if that is is something yeah. that we're going to see very soon. And again, these hypotheses are coming from uh, conversations that I've heard from way smarter people that understand the science. So just FYI. But um, so, uh, but anyways, listen, um, this is this has been great, uh, Stephanie. Yes. I know this is like um, from from my standpoint as trifecta and like what we're trying to do in, in food and and local food and stuff like that. Very interesting to connect, to connect more and see how we we can do that. So it's like again, Absolutely. glad that there's somebody like you, um, you know, as part of reset that's kind of helping to foster this uh, here in Hartford. And, and beyond um and then again program so um if they want to reach out to you uh, how can they contact you and then again yes. where should they go for the application thank you so much so for the food incubator application please go to our website uh, resetcode.org r-e-s-e-t-c-o.org um and then if you go to the food incubator so there's a program section go to the food incubator on the banner, it says apply now. If you want to learn more information about it, feel free to read the, the, the page itself. It has important dates, such as the application. I don't think we mentioned 
when the actual food incubator itself was starting. And so that is from we March did not, so. 2nd. <laughs> Important dates, March 2nd to May 18th. And so again, weekly, 5.30 to 8 p.m., and a very important note, this program is free. There is no cost. There is no educational requirement. You will see us asking some questions on the application, and that is because grants pay for this so that we can continue this lovely work. Um, and so March 2nd to May 18th, the application itself closes on Tuesday, February 8th at midnight. And then please, please, contact me, email me. My email is srobles, S-R-O-B as in boy, L-E-S at resetcode.org. That is srobles at resetcode.org. Please reach out to me. I promise I'm friendly. <laughs> and I promise we will have a lovely conversation. Yeah. You, you, you have done nothing but come off as friendly. So don't think that if, uh, uh, please don't think that you didn't. Um, and so we will put all those links in the uh, the show notes. Um, and, uh, you know, again, please, if you're, if, if anything that we said uh, resonates with you, please go um, connect with them. Great program. And like Stephanie said, it is free. Um, there's a lot of resources uh, around the state that are going into programs like Reset. Um, and it's all because they want to help people um, just, just notch off one more barrier to entry to, to the entrepreneurial lifestyle. And this is one of them. So. Absolutely. All right. And cool. Will, yes. oh, so, no, no. What are you going to say? The last pitch, the last plug is that we really are prioritizing Hartford residents, Hartford businesses, and BIPOC and women-owned businesses. All right. Very Please. good. And you've, and you've had, and you've had, and you've had a, a lot of, um, um, a lot of good uh, ratios in that. Like you've had a lot of people come through your door that want that like fit that profile, which exactly. means again, like there's an unmet need at right that right now. And so like, you guys are exactly. filling that and so forth. So. Yes. Thank right, you great. so much, Eric. This was no. wonderful. Yeah, no, thank you. And uh, I'm sure we're going to have many of conversations to come. So um, it's good to finally connect. Same. True. All right. Everybody have a good one. And we look forward to uh, the next time. Please take care out there. When starting a podcast, one step in the journey is landing a sponsorship. And in 2021, CT Startup is thankful to have two sponsors. One of those sponsors is Connecticut Innovations, or some people know it, CI, an organization that has been a key player in turning Connecticut into a hub for innovation. In 2020, Bloomberg ranked Connecticut as the fourth most innovative economy in the country, and CI is one of those organizations here in Connecticut that can take credit for that ranking. CI is Connecticut's strategic venture capital arm and is the leading source of financing and ongoing support for innovative, growing companies. By offering equity investments, strategic guidance, and introductions to valuable partners, they are enabling promising businesses to thrive. For more information on how Connecticut Innovations can work with your company, please visit their website, www.ctinnovations.com. Thank you for listening to CT Startup. More Connecticut startup news, information, and events can be found at ctstartup.com. The weekly episodes of this podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and ctstartup.com. See you next week.